I despise uh, people who believe something without evidence and then go out and take action which damages other people. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 129 of the Removing Barriers podcast. And in this episode, we'll be responding to a recent interview of Richard Dawkins by Piers Morgan on the Piers Morgan Uncensored Show. Both men cover a wide range of topics, and we will respond to some of what was said, but in no way respond to all of it. A link to the full episode without our commentary is in the show notes. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. All right, Jay, here's the first clip we'll like to respond to. We know now about where we've come from and what don't we know? Okay, we know once you've got um, a self-replicating entity, which nowadays is DNA, but it wasn't originally, once you've got life started, once natural selection, Darwinian natural selection has got going, then we pretty much understand the four billion year history of what's given rise to us and all other living creatures. We don't know how it started, and that's still a mystery, and it may always be a mystery, because it happened a very long time ago, and uh, we may never know exactly what did happen. We know the kind of thing it had to be. Yeah, so it seems like we know nothing new. It is still a mystery, at least according to Richard Dawkins. Now, I do consider myself an F student of Kenham. So note I said F student of Kenham. But I remember during the Kenham-Bill Nye debate, one of the things that Kenham emphasized was the fact that what he believed about what he called historical science is based upon his faith. He challenged Bill Nye to also show that what he believed was faith as well, because at the end of the day, science have never proved evolution. But yet, we said that at least. Richard Dawkins saying here that, hey, most of the things that we knew 10, 20, 30 years ago, or even more than that, is the same thing we know. Nothing new. It's still a mystery. I think that's a testament to the greatness of our God. He's beyond much of our understanding. And what we do understand about him is what he's chosen to reveal. But when Richard Dawkins said that, I still can't quite wrap my head around what he said. Now, let me set a disclaimer out there and say that I am no biochemistry expert and I'm an F student of Ken Ham's as well. But I don't understand what he meant by something self-replicating other than DNA and that he equated that to life. In one breath, he called it a self-replicating entity before DNA and that was life when life started to get going. And I was under the understanding, I remember in biology class, that the classification of life has many requirements. I can't name them all, but I know that you have to react to your environment. You have to consume things and 
create energy or something along those lines. You have to have the capacity for growth. So there's like a list of things in biology. If all of those things are present, you're classified or it is classified as life. So for Richard Dawkins to equate just strands of DNA, self-replicating DNA, or the precursor to self-replicating strands of DNA to equate that to life, upon which the process of natural selection can act, doesn't make any scientific sense to me. And again, I am not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. That doesn't make any sense to me. What he said had absolutely, there are a lot of holes in what he said. Yeah, I think what he was saying, and not defending Richard Dawkins here at all, I think what he was saying is that, and I think he will explain it a little bit further in the next clip, but he's talking about not necessarily the characteristics of living things, whether they grow, eat, move, stuff like that. He's talking about how did life itself begin. And as I said, he's probably going to get into the next clip, but he's comparing complex life form to simple life forms. I think the scientific consensus now, well, let me backtrack. The secular scientific consensus now is abiogenesis, the idea that life arose from non-life. And so if that's the case, then what he said is that the process of natural selection was acting upon a non-living thing. And I know that he's trying to explain the process by which life began, but he also said that the process of natural selection was acting upon this non-living thing. Well, the fact that they believe in evolution clearly tell us that they believe life came from non-life. That's a given. Because at the end of the day, if you go as far back as possible, they're either going to talk about a god or they're going to talk about matter. Right. So that's what it boils down to in a nutshell. And we'll get to that maybe later on. But okay. I want to play a clip by Ken Ham. Again, this is part of the debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye back in 2014. And Ken Ham making it clear that the difference between historical science and observational science. No, I, we admit our origins of historical science is based upon the Bible, but I'm just challenging evolutionists to admit the belief aspects of evolution and be upfront about the difference here. As I said, I'm, in, I'm only too willing to admit my historical science based on the Bible. Yeah, and I think that's very important because when it comes to observable science, what can I call observable science, is where you can know how a combustible engine works know how a smoke detector work, know how to put a rover on Mars and the advancements in technologies and stuff like that. Those are observable, repeatable, and testable. That's observable science. Historical science is talking about the origin of the world and the age of the earth and all this stuff. There's no test that we know of that can clearly point and say, this is what happened. So you're either going to believe fallible men who say that, hey, there was a big bang and because the universe is still expanding, that's proved that there was an explosion some time ago. And then we will say, no, we believe Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created heaven and earth. And we can show that observable science does not contradict the Bible. So I think this is important here, but the men continue, and this is where Morgan asks him, how did life start? The thing do you think it was? It was the origin of a self-replicating molecule, a molecule that makes copies of itself. DNA is such a molecule, 
but the original one was almost certainly not DNA because DNA is a, it's been called a high-tech replicator. There had to be a precursor to DNA. Something, the laws of chemistry gave rise to a, a molecule which had this unusual property of making copies of itself which mutated, changed in mm. random ways. And that gave rise to competition between rival versions of it. And that gave rise to the whole panoply of life. Yeah, so there, I think you get into what you're talking about there. But again, he mentioned here the fact that life came from non-life. But there was a viral phrase that went out when Kenham debated Bill Nye. I don't know if you remember it, but here is it. Uh, Bill, I, I just want to let you know that uh, there actually is a book out there. So at the end of the day, as I said previously, we'd either believe in an eternal God who created it all, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created of the earth, one who has no beginning and no end. In other words, we believe that God is outside of time and space, or you believe in eternal matter, that life came from non-life, what is started as a Big Bang, and we are made of stardust. So that's the two alternatives at this point. I'm sure that there are the beliefs in between those, if you want to say, two extremes. But at the end of the day, you're going to either believe in eternal matter because if you ask the question, where did matter come from, the evolutionists and the atheists can't answer that question. And when they say, where did God come from, we will say that he's eternal, he always existing, he exists outside of time and space. And they will look at us as we are bunkers, and we look at them as like they are bunkers. But at the end of the day, as I said before, it comes down to a fate. That's why I agree with Ken Ham when he says that being an atheist is actually a religion. They would completely disagree with you on that point. Yeah, that's true. But that doesn't change the fact that the way it operates is a religion. Right. All right. So Richard Dawkins was then asked, what was there before it all? Here's what he has to say. Arguments with atheists, historically, have always come down to one thing. And maybe you've got an answer which will persuade me of the folly of my ways, which is this. What was there at the start? We don't know. But I don't know and you don't know. But, can, but, can, but no human brain, unless you want to correct me, can actually comprehend nothingness, right? No. But it's, a, it's an, a fallacy to think that because I don't understand how it happened, therefore God did it. I mean, that's just weak. Well, no, I'm not, I, okay, but I'm prepared to have an open mind about this. Yes. But somebody did. And I just have never met a human brain that can explain to me what happened before, say, you go for the Big Bang argument. Well, what was there before? What, what does nothing look like? Physicists are debating this. I'm not a physicist, but they're debating it. My point is that... They don't know, and I don't know, and you don't know, and it doesn't help to postulate a god that did it. But that you're certain it's not a god, and yet you admit you don't know. No, I'm, I'm certain that it doesn't help to postulate something very complicated at the outset, because what we've got is primeval simplicity, and from that stems everything. Mm. And what science does, it starts with simplicity, which is relatively easy to understand, and from that it develops into the whole of the universe and the whole of life. It doesn't help to start with complexity and a creator has to be complex. Whatever else. So I will say here, I'm glad Richard Dawkins admitted that he doesn't know, but he's very arrogant in suggesting that because he doesn't know and Morgan doesn't know, but he can't be a God. So he's admitting to the limit of his knowledge. 
So of all the knowledge out there in the world, let's say since we say Richard Dawkins is a very educated man, and he probably is, he's probably a very intelligent man. I'm sure he is. Let's say he knows 10% of all the knowledge that a man can attain of this world. He's saying within that 10% that he does know, that he's certain that God didn't create it all, but he don't know. So which one is it? Does he really not know or does he know? So I'm going to take his word for it. He doesn't know. However, I think he's just a clear rejection of God. And that's nothing new from sinful man. That's nothing new from what we see every day out there when you try to share the gospel with folks and they reject it. That's all Richard Dawkins is doing here. He's going according to his natural sin-bent way that all of us do, basically rejecting the notion of God. Because if you can blatantly say, hey, I don't know, but I'm certain that it's not God. But I must also say about Piers Morgan, though, I think Piers did give him a run for his money because he asked him some tough questions, even though, in my opinion, I think Piers Morgan cut him off a little bit too much and also kind of didn't let him speak or complete his sentences, as I would like. But at the end of the day, I think Piers Morgan did ask him some tough question. But Dawkins is right in this, and I believe he like the truth. The biblical worldview starts with complexity, and evolution by nature must start with simplicity. So therefore, Christians who out there who accept stuff like theistic evolution, the gap theory, and all these other stuff, or any other false blending of evolution and creation, are mixing water and oil. They just don't mix, because by nature, evolution must start with simplicity. And by nature, by the way it is, creation will start with complexity. And if we do mix anything, we are honestly being intellectually dishonest because at the end of the day, these are two drastic opposite beliefs and they cannot be blend if we're being honest. This is another instance where I find Dawkins' answer to be doublespeak or hypocritical or saying one thing meaning another because he says that it doesn't help to introduce a creator or complexity at the start, because as you said, a belief in evolution fundamentally must begin with simplicity and then work its way up to complexity. But in the same breath, he says the reason why you can't do that is because it's too simple, it's too naive, it's too this, it's too that. And that's speaking out of both sides of your face. You can't knock someone for being simple or for having a singular way of explaining the beginning of the universe. And then say that, oh, we have to start with simplicity and then build our way up toward complexity. I think that the creationist makes a lot more sense than the evolutionist because if you start with complexity and then everything was marred by sin so that it begins to break down the way that sin affects the world, then that explains everything that we see. That explains why you go from order to disorder, from order to chaos. That's what we see in the world. Which law of thermodynamics is it? Is it the second law of thermodynamics mm -hmm. where we see that being affirmed in the physical way that life plays out? We very rarely see the way evolutionists see life play out in the real world. Now, there are elements of natural selection. I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying that that's not the case. But the idea that everything started from non-life, they don't say nothing. They say non-life. I noticed that too, because Piers Morgan said, no one can wrap their brain around nothingness. But I don't think Dawkins believes that there was ever nothingness. 
he believes that there was non-life. And in an interview with, who's that actor with the glasses? The Mueller, Mueller, that guy? I forget. Uh, Ben Stein, I think his name is Ben Mm -hmm. Stein. He says that it's an interesting prospect to evaluate whether life may have been seeded onto planet Earth by other extraterrestrial forms. And so in his mind, there was never a point when there was nothing. So I'm not sure why Piers Morgan even brought up the concept of nothing, because I don't think Dawkins believes that. He just believes that life comes from non-life. So the elements were always there in his particular view. Either way, it doesn't make sense. But when Piers Morgan mentioned nothingness, that there was no reason for that. Dawkins didn't say that. But I'm going back to how that's doublespeak. Again, I'm not a scientist and I'm certainly not looking down on Dawkins because he's certainly more educated than I am. But this is an instance of in Solomon, too much learning doesn't make you wise. You can learn so much and still be ignorant to the truths of scripture, still be ignorant to facts to which Second Peter says you are willfully ignorant. And I think that's what we see there. That's the only way you could talk yourself into circles like that. Yeah, let's play clip four because the men continue along the same vein. Then I'll probably have a comment on what you just said as well. I subscribe to the theory there must be a more powerful being out there than anything the human race has created. It's because, like I say, a human brain can't comprehend nothingness or what may have come before nothingness. We can't. We're not able to extrapolate what that is, right? I mean, no scientist can explain nothingness, can they? Plausibly. Well, well, maybe they can't. You'd have to talk to a physicist. But even Could you explain it? No, I'm not a physicist. But but you're a very smart guy. And you're I'm, a very vehement atheist. No, I'm not. I'm and not that vehement. Well, you're pretty uh, vehement. I mean, you, you just think all belief in all gods is ludicrous, right? I think that it doesn't help to introduce complexity at the outset. That's my... No, no, I, I get that. But... but no, well, you, I don't think you do get well, it. Well, no, I do, because I... But you're asking me to consider that my own belief in a, a deity that may be above human thinking and understanding and brain power that was there universally, that my theory is scientifically flawed, whereas I would throw back at you, okay, but I need to be given an alternative. I need some scientist somewhere to explain to me, right, four four billion years, all right, but then what was there before that? Well, scientists can't answer that, and and what they say is things like, it's like going to the It's like going north of the North Pole. Mm. I'm sure I gather you recently introduced Stephen Hawking. He probably said that to you. Yeah, Um, he did actually, yeah. um, But the the point is this. Science can explain things starting with simplicity and working up to complexity. No, I get that. But where science can't explain something, i.e. in the case I just gave you, is it not possible that you're all wrong on the atheist side of the argument? We We could be all wrong. But... What, and you what might is, get a shocking surprise one day well, when you're you no might, longer with us. You, you might. And you discover we were right all yeah, along. It's possible. <laughs> you can see it's possible. It's highly unlikely. Um, <laughs> there, you don't know, though, do you? No, of course I don't. Um, scientists take a pride in admitting when, what they don't know. Mm. And they don't know what happened before the Big Bang. They don't even admit that the, the word before means anything mm. with respect to the Big Bang. Physicists yes. will tell you. But it that, has to. I mean, it just... Well, it doesn't because that's a naive statement. Um, physicists will say that, that you do not have to say there was a, a time began in the Big Bang is what some physicists will say. Yeah, but to which I immediately respond with my basic human brain. Well, okay, if time began, when did it begin? Well, quite. And what was there before? Quite. Which is a fairly obvious question. It is a very obvious question. It's too obvious. And physicists will tell you that you're being naive. 
Yeah, but they don't know why I'm being naive because they can't provide the human any brain actual is, scientific as you've evidence. Just said the human brain is not capable of grasping. Right, that's these my things. point. Yes. So why is it not possible that there is a superior being, power, which many people believe in, in different it's ways? It's possible there are fairies at the bottom of the garden. I mean, all sorts of things are possible. <laughs> you, you, you can't deny that. Well, except I've never seen fairies in the garden. Have you? No, you've never seen God either. No, but you don't know for sure that either doesn't exist. No, I don't know that fairies don't exist. Fairies may well, they may be leprechauns, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, so that exchange was interesting. As I said before, I think Piz Morgan cut him off a little bit, but I guess he does that to kind of keep it interesting so Darkin doesn't give a lecture. But Richard Dawkins, at least the one that I knew of many years ago, seems to have softened his stand a little bit. At least he's willing to admit that he doesn't know. But compared to his younger years, but I can't help but to play this again. Bill, I, I just want to let you know that there, there actually is a book out there. Because at the end of the day, again, I will admit that it comes down to my fate, to what the Bible teaches me about the origin of life, the origin of this universe. But he's admitting, hey, I don't know. Science does not know because, you know, he's sick, acts a physicist, but clearly if there was an answer, again, Piers Morgan didn't say to him that you're an intelligent man, I think he would know. The fact is, there's no answer. Science has no answer for those questions. Because again, it comes down to eternal matter or eternal God. Because we can keep on going. What was before the Big Bang? Where did that matter come that explode? Because when I was listening to Bell Nye debating Ken Hammer, this is the second debate that they had which was an informal debate as they were walking through the Ark Encounter. Bill Nye believed that stars collide into Mars or something collide into Mars that trigger what we have now. So we are, I don't know if he was joking a little bit or what, but he said that we are all Martians. And to me, you hear stuff like that, which they kind of prove scientifically, but they look at your belief again and think, man, you must be crazy to have a religious belief and believe that some god out there, mysterious figure, according to them, created all. But I think to a logical brain, we have never seen life from non-life. Science can't prove that. That's why they're going around so hard trying to find some form of life on Mars or some other place in the universe, because then they will believe, hey, no, this proves evolution. Because they have never proved it. It has never been done, not even in the laboratory that you can bring life from non-life. What we have observed is life begot life. So scientifically, the Bible is still in line because God is life. And we can say, hey, life begot life. And that's what we have seen biologically. You know, what a Dawkins believe it was, you say some kind of chemical reaction or whatever the case may be that happened that caused the simple life that he believed that was there first to come about, then it grew complex to a replicating complexity where we have DNA, which is complex. Whether he believed that or whatever the case may be, he can't prove it. It can't be proven in a laboratory. That's why Kenham call it historical science. It's not observable, it's not testable, it's not repeatable, which is something that, which are characteristics of things that should be, that we call scientific. You know, that's why we can, again, prove how a smoke detector work because it's observable, repeatable, and testable. So I just find it interesting that he continuously say he doesn't know, which is a breath of fresh air, to be honest. 
But then even in his uncertainty and his lack of knowledge, he's certain, again, that God didn't do it. You know, I think to go back to what you said about faith, that all of this goes back to our faith and what the Bible says, I would like to add to that. It's not simply faith. If we say the word faith, Richard Dawkins would hear that word and think, oh, it's just blind faith. There's no underpinning or reason to believe that particular thing. In this case, God being the creator and creating the earth in six literal days. But the linchpin of our faith is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that was God's stamp of approval saying, I affirm this, let's say, man, as it were, this is God incarnate. Everything that he said is true. This is the one to follow. And of course, that happened also at his baptism where the Holy Spirit came down and there's a voice saying, this is my son, hear ye him. But the linchpin of our faith is the resurrection. And Christ, during his time on earth, affirmed the Old Testament prophets. In particular, he affirmed Moses. And Moses said in the five books, in Genesis in particular, that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So our faith isn't just some idea that we got from a mythical book or some idea that someone came up with many thousands of years ago. This was truth that God put to paper by means of men who wrote the scriptures down. And it's him telling us what he did. If science could explain God, he wouldn't be God. I think that Richard Dawkins and his idea of science and his idea of discovering things through the means of science and in his idea, evolutionary theory and all of that, the reason why he dismisses the idea of God is just because it's so simple, it's so naive, it's so all the different words that he called it. But in reality, what he wants is for God to submit to science. But it's the other way around. Science submits to God. And as you said earlier, it's him absolutely rejecting to acknowledge the God who created him, who created the universe, who created the earth, and refuse to acknowledge the God who put all of these things in motion in favor of something that he feels like he could explain, in this case, evolutionary theory by means of natural selection. Yeah, I think ultimately what Richard Dawkins really want is a God that he can understand. And, and thereby control. Right. So therefore, one of the major reasons why he rejects God and upset the God of science that he has, is because he understand that. He can explain it to some degree. He can marvel over it. But the God of the Bible that he can't understand, because if God was small enough for us to understand, then he wouldn't be God. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, Richard Dawkins is his own God. Mm -hmm. So here's clip five, where Richard Dawkins doubled down on the fact that God did not do it milder about this as you've got older yes have you got more accepting that there may be, you may be wrong less certain well um uh, yes of course a, a scientist may always be wrong and, and that's a definitely a thing that a scientist has to say but i'm not vehement you're, you're provoking me to be vehement because you're taking that tone with me but, well you've but, been provoked before uh, yes and, and you've been quite vehement in response I, i'm actually not trying to provoke you i'm genuinely curious yes because i don't have all the answers but i'm always skeptical of people who think they do i don't think you think you do absolutely not but your admission that you don't have all the answers to me is quite interesting because it lends the possibility you might be wrong well it's not interesting i mean no no scientist has all, all the answers mm. 
Um, but, but the one thing you shouldn't say is that, that because I don't know, therefore God did it. That's, that's, that's... I don't think anyone is saying that. I don't think anyone is saying, because I don't know how life began, and because I don't know what was there before life, then God did it. That's not what Christians are doing at all. Whatever broad stroke you call yourself as Christian, I think what Christians are saying is God said he did it, and we believe him. That's what we're saying. We're not saying, oh, we don't know. Eh, God did it. He thinks that's what Christians are saying, but I don't think that's what Christians are saying at all. Well, I'm a little bit confused here by Dawkins. So for me to understand him here, while he's admitting that he doesn't know, that he could be wrong, he's not as vehement as he once were before, but God did not do it. He know that for sure. So you do not know, but you do know. You do not know. You do not know everything. But you do know for sure that God did not do it. He's contradicting himself. He's going, again, he's just simply saying, hey, of all the possibilities out there that will bring this universe about, there's only one thing I'm sure of. God did not do it. That's what he boils down to. And again, as I said before, it's just simply a rejection of God. Yeah. That's all it is. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. We will be right back. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Did you know that you could find us on Twitter, Gab, Parler, Facebook, and Reddit? Go to removingbarriers.net slash contact and like and follow us on social media. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. All right, so after this, though, the men went on and discussed what I will characterize as a very sad exchange. They talk about death. It happens when you die. As Bertrand Russell said, I believe that when I die, I shall rot and nothing of my ego shall remain. That's it. Yes. The end. Nothing. There's nothing else. How could it, how could it be otherwise? I mean, you, you have a brain, an evolved brain, mm. which works by nerve impulses. And when that decays, what could possibly be left? So you don't believe in, for example, a spirit or a soul? None of that is, that's all conditional entirely on a link to a, an actual cerebral... Yes, if, if by spirit or soul you mean something that outlasts the brain, mm. then I do not believe in it, no. Really? Well, how could I? Well, people have gone through weird sort of out-of-body, near-death experiences where they, they've been pronounced dead for a few minutes. They always talk about, almost all of them talk about this weird... There's a tunnel, a tunnel of yeah. light at the end. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it could be, couldn't yes. it? Yes, well, read Susan Blackmore on that. <laughs> would you like to be pleasantly surprised or would you be appalled if you were wrong? Uh, well, I would be pleasantly surprised for a while. I don't think I'd like to live for all eternity, would you? Would you get... I don't know. It depends what it's like. Well, mm. fraternity was watching, you know, cricket at Lords all day and watching Arsenal win every weekend. Yes, give me that. Really? Well, if eternity is, is blissful and a wonderful experience, something... as some people believe. I think there is something actually rather frightening about eternity. And I'd be quite glad to be spending it under general anaesthetic. So we have done a number of episodes, Jay, the latest of which being Debt, Is There Anything Beyond with Missionary Marco? That is episode 122. Mm-hmm. We did episode 64, Hell and a Loving God, and episode 65, Heaven and a Holy God with our friend DW. Now, with that said, how sad it is to live this life and when you die, you're done. You might as well live as you wish. There's nothing in this life or after that will prevent you from living the way you want. And we see that 
as a fruit of evolution. People live in life the way they want to live their life. And that's one thing Kenham always emphasized is that what we're seeing in our culture today is directly a fruit of evolution, whether it's homosexuality or the LGBTQIA plus movement, abortion, and the many other corruptions that we see in this world today can be linked directly back to evolution. Even racism. It was in biology textbooks that they teach, and this is something that Kenham even read during his exchange with Bill Nye in a book out there that was a biology textbook back then that basically tells us that, I'm just going to read it here. You talk about the five different types of people group, the races of men. And finally, the highest type of all the Caucasians, represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. This was in a biology textbook. I don't remember the name of it, but I will certainly link it in the show notes because it's old enough to be a free book online today. And I'm like, all these things are directly linked to evolution. So when you die, you're done. So therefore, live how you please because you don't have to answer to a loving God our holy God, our just God. But one thing we did cut out from this exchange was when Morgan said that he's Catholic. And that's interesting here because it was Christ who said that the blind cannot lead the blind. Right. And even though Morgan may, if you want to say, more closely align to our beliefs, what Richard Dawkins need is not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's salvation to repentant faith to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us in Luke 16 and verse 23, the Bible says, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. That was a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16. Sorry to say this. Well, I'm not really sorry, but because it's true, Dawkins and Morgan will be presently surprised as well, especially if Morgan is relying upon his Catholic faith. If they die without repenting of their sins, and trusting Christ as the Savior, they too will open their eyes in hell. And yeah, a false belief can give you comfort, just like Piers Morgan may have his false beliefs that have comfort. But Dawkins is right. You're no better off than I am because your religion is not going to save you just like my quote-unquote lack of religion is not going to save me. It's a repentant faith in Jesus Christ. What a sad exchange between two unsaved men talking about death and the comfort or lack of comfort that they have outside of repentant faith in Jesus Christ. This is almost as sad as the time when we discussed the Babylon Bee interviewing Elon Musk and declaring him saved when he said, oh, you know, I believe in God, almost just as sad, even though that one was a lot sadder because you had people who, from what I understand, are genuinely saved, not giving the gospel to someone sitting right in front of them who actually needed it. But absolutely, it's a sad exchange. First, it's the blind leading the blind. And second, both of them have no real hope of eternity. One doesn't believe in eternity and and just has his head in the sand about it. The other one has all he can do is hope. You and I go knocking on doors. You pretty much go every week. I go as often as I can. And if you're speaking to a Catholic person and you ask them if they are sure about where they will spend an eternity, they are never. I've yet to meet a Catholic that answers in the affirmative. They don't know for sure. And so the reason why this is tragic to hear this exchange, the reason why this is tragic is because of that clip you played where 
Ken Ham says, actually, there is a book. There is a book. And in the first chapter of John, it says, these things have I written, or these things have I written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So if you read the first chapter of John. First John. Yes, that's right. First, uh, John, first John. Thank you. If you read that passage and none of those things are true of you, then you know you don't have eternal life. So there's no reason for us to go through life wondering or even being adamant that there isn't hope or just hoping that somehow God will have mercy on you and allow you to spend eternity. What did he say? Watching cricket or whatever, some, some flippant comment he made about eternity, Piers Morgan made about eternity. We have a book. We have the truth. So as Christians, it really falls on us to make sure that we are doing our part to go out into the world and share the gospel, because here we have on the internet for everyone to see how absolutely clueless even the most intelligent people are about God, about eternity, and about how they can be made right with a holy God. Yeah, but also, Piers Morgan, I would say that he's not saved. So therefore, he's sure. not in love with Jesus. So why would he have a desire to be with Jesus in eternity? Again, I think to some extent also, to be fair, I think he was being flippant, saying playing cricket and stuff like that. You know, we do it all the time. You talk about the food that we're going to have in heaven or the language you're going to have in heaven. I remember many years ago, a brother and I were talking about who's going to be the best batsman in heaven or the best bowler, you know? Most likely, we're not going to be playing cricket in heaven, but I would characterize myself as I played cricket in school as a batsman. He was a bowler, and we were just joking and saying that you wouldn't be able to get me out, but you say I wouldn't be able to get any runs out for him because I'll be the perfect batsman, he'll be the perfect bowler. So I think to some extent, he was just being flippant there. But see, it's okay for you all to be flippant about that or joking about that because you have that assurance. He doesn't. He has none of that. Well, I agree with you on that point, but I can't get down on him being flippant when I do the same thing. You know? Oh, I see what it's you're saying. Okay. I understand it because we know his faith structure does not teach salvation to Jesus Christ alone, that the possibility of him being saved is pretty nil or pretty low. But if we can be flippant about it, about something like that, I think he was just being casual. I don't want to get down to hard on him on that one. But here is Darkens doubling down on his hopelessness. Finality of what you think death to be, do you fear it as you get older? I fear the process of dying, but when you're dead, you don't know anything. It's just like before you were born. I think it was Mark Twain said, I was, I was dead for billions of years before I was born and never suffered the smallest inconvenience. <laughs> but when, when you have loved ones who've died, for example. That's tragic. How, how do, as somebody who believes literally in the finality, the, the rotting of a body and that's it, it must be worse than for somebody like me where I genuinely believe there's something better to come. It, it's worse, so what? Not so what, just curious. that It must be for you awful each time, far yes. worse than it is for people who have a belief. Yes, it is. A lot of people take great comfort from their belief in God that there is a different life out there. Yes, they do. So you what? don't have that sucker no, at all. No. So is it, is it incredibly painful? More, more for you, perhaps, than somebody no, I don't think who so. is a believer? Let me put it to you this way. If you really did believe it, wouldn't you say to the person on the deathbed, looking forward to seeing you in purgatory? A lot of, well, a lot of people say, looking forward to seeing you in another life, yeah. Yes. A lot of people say you, that. You don't really believe it, though. Actually, I, I do. Yeah, I do, actually. Because I find it, when I think about it in big picture, which is your great thing, 
I think, how likely is it that we just got put on this planet, Earth, as human beings, as a one-off kind of entity that existed here, and then you die and that's it? And, we, and it only lasted four billion years, and before that was absolutely nothing at all. How likely is that to have been the case? I don't think that's likely. I my, think. my human brain, which is limited, does not think that is likely. I think it's very likely. I think really? It's exactly what happened, yes. We are a tiny, tiny dot in the universe. Right? Exactly. So, so you don't know what else is out there, really, other than what scientists have already established. No, I, I think it's highly likely that there are other beings out there which mm. are much cleverer than we are, mm. um, superhuman, not supernatural, but superhuman. And I would love to meet them. I probably couldn't understand what they said. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do we see darkened hopelessness here, but well, one can even argue that Dawkins know he knows he's hopeless. But as I said before, what is even more sad, in my opinion, is that Sir Morgan, or Piers Morgan, as a Catholic, is hopeless too. But it is more sad because he doesn't know he's hopeless. Mm. At least Dawkins is admitting that. <laughs> admitting that he knows, right. So it's like Piers Morgan is grabbing at straws while he's going under and shouting out, to Dawkins and say, hey, you're going on there. Why did you grab this straw as well? Because he doesn't have any hope right. to give to Dawkins. But yet without Christ, as I said before, their destiny are the same. Whether or not he's Catholic and Dawkins, quote unquote, is atheist, their destiny is the same because you don't get to heaven. You don't have eternal life outside of Christ. The Bible talks about an awful place, a Christless eternity that he referred to as hell. But if you are saved... We can find that hope and comfort in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, a.k.a. those that are dead, that he sorrowed not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another, with these words. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What an assurance that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we know that the Bible teaches us that if we have repented of our sins and trust Christ as our Savior, that we can be assured we have that blessed hope that we can look forward to, that none of these men have. And if I want to say this is the main purpose of this podcast, Removing Barriers, is to give men that assurance, point them to Jesus Christ, removing barriers so they can have a clear view of the cross. What a hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ.
desire to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints? Answers in Genesis can help. They provide biblically sound books, CDs, DVDs, homeschooling materials, VBS materials, online courses, digital downloads, and the Answers magazine, and more. Plus, tickets to the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter. Go to the Answers Bookstore by clicking the link in the description section below so you too can be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks the reason of the hope that is in you. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. All right, Jay. So Dawkins and Morgan, after that exchange, talk about tribalism, free speech, some UK politics. For most part, I agree with some of the things that they said there, so we're not going to respond to that. They also discuss artificial intelligence and what effect it will have on human society and many other topics. So, of course, we don't want this episode to be too long. So we'll skip over those things and we'll not respond to that portion of the video. Again, as I said, a link to the entire conversation will be in the show notes. However, they did talk about the woke agenda being forced upon biologists and the language being changed and all that stuff. So here is the next clip we would like to respond to. Back with Richard Dawkins. So Richard, uh, recently, members of the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology Language Project, funded by scientists in the US and Canada, produced a list of 24 harmful terms. These included male, female, man, woman, mother, and father. They recommended using phrases like sperm-producing, egg-producing, XYXX individual, and they should be used to avoid reinforcing societally imposed ideas of a sex binary. To which your response was, the only possible response is contemptuous ridicule. Yes. Which I cheered, I have to say, because it was complete madness. How have we come to this? English is my native language, is your native language, and um, I propose to use it in the way that I have always used it, and I'm not going to be censored by... Have you looked at those people? I mean, they, they look like teenagers. Well, it's just what's extraordinary to me is they, they want to, what they call, degender and neutralise language, but they're doing it from a completely false pretext that you can somehow pretend biology doesn't exist, particularly when it comes to someone's sex. I mean, it, it's incontrovertible. There's no scientific doubt about this, and yet a small group of people have been quite successful, actually, in reshaping vast sways of the way society talks and is allowed to talk. It's bullying. Uh, and we've seen the, the way um, J.K. Rowling has been bullied, Kathleen yeah. Stock has been bullied. Um, they've stood up to it. But, but um, it's very upsetting the way this tiny minority of people has managed to capture the discourse and to um, really talk arrant nonsense. I must say it's refreshing to see that at least even though Dawkins and I disagree on historical science, that at least he's intellectually honest enough to agree on observable science that, hey, there are two sexes according to biology and according to the scriptures. But it's also not refreshing in the sense that 
he does not see how the evolutionary perspective gives rise to what we see now as transgenderism, wokeism, and all of the other deviations from truth that are prevalent in our society. When you posit that there is no God and that things are random and that natural selection is the driving force and it's not really a God who created everything, who is keenly interested in each person, that each person would come to salvation and to have a genuine relationship with the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you remove all of that sort of thing, what reason is there to live or not live? What reason is there to live in such a fashion that points others to the Savior? What reason is there to hold on to the fact that there is male and female? Why can't you be whatever you want to be? Why can't you simply choose and have your pronouns and have all of these different things that seem to have taken this country and perhaps the world by storm in the last year or two, perhaps three years or so? So in the same way that he seems to be standing up to the woke nonsense, he also can't see how his belief system gave rise to it. Right. And I fully agree with that. There's a disconnect there that I don't think he's making. But but he is absolutely right. This idea that somehow we have to change how language has been used for the past several millennia in order to accommodate mental illness and people living in outright delusion is completely <laughs> bonkers. There is no reason and then there's no logic as to why we should be subject to that. And people should stand up to it. Yeah. And Dawkins dig even deeper in clip nine. What's the answer to it? Science. I mean, um, there are two sexes. Um, you could talk about gender if you wish, and that's a subjective. I'm not. But when people say there are a hundred genders, for uh, example. Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in that. As, as a biologist, there are two sexes, mm. uh, and that's all there is to it. You had a humanist award stripped in 2021 because of your comments about this kind of thing. Uh, you had a tweet in April of that year. In 2015, you tweeted, Rachel Dolezal, a white chapter president in America of the NA, NAACP, was vilified for identifying as black. She was white. Some men choose to identify as women. Some women choose to identify as men. You'll be vilified if you deny that they are literally are what they identify as discuss and all hell broke loose and you had your award stripped because you were effectively doing what J.K. Rowling and others have said, you were just espousing a biological fact. I wasn't even doing that. I was asking, asking people to discuss. Discuss. Mm. That's what I've done all my life in universities. Right. Why have we lost that ability to actually have an open and frank debate? There are people for whom the word discuss doesn't mean discuss. It means you've taken a position, mm. um, which I hadn't. Um, but anyway, um, I thought it was a reasonable thing to discuss. This was on, on the one hand, uh, I actually wrote a couple of follow-up articles to it, to this. Um, race is actually a much more fluid concept than, than sex. Um, for one thing, many people are of mixed race. Mm. So they really can be, um, you know, well, I, I had my DNA done, for example, yes. uh, properly tested. It came back. I had zero English DNA, zero. I actually have 6% Middle Eastern, yes. <laughs> for example. Yes. Right? So that was a shock to me. I had no idea. Yes. Um, a lot of Celt, a lot of Irish and Scottish and Welsh, yes. but no English whatsoever. Yes. 
Well, we're all mixed, and therefore it actually is a perfectly reasonable thing for somebody to, to identify as some particular race if they want to. But sex is not like that. Sex really is binary, mm. and therefore um, it's, it's something is certainly worth discussing that odd anomaly, which I pointed out in that tweet. Yeah, that's so true that we have lost the ability to disagree, to agree. We have lost the ability to have a debate and walk away and still be friends. And that is just a sad outlook on where the world is today, because if we can't do that anymore, we're just going to be shouting in our echo chambers, talking to people who already agree with us, because you can't disagree. Look at Riley Gaines, who was at one point was the fastest female swimmer in their country. She had to compete against a biological man, William Thomas, who goes now by Leah Thomas. And in one of the race, she actually tied him. And I'm like, you know, where's your shame, dude? <laughs> I remember growing up, you know, we'll always either give the girls a head start or give them some sort of advantage as boys when we were competing against them because usually we are faster, we can jump higher, we are quicker, whatever the case may be. But that has all gone out of the window. You can argue maybe some of that has to do with the rise of feminism and the fact that women have been saying for years that they can be or can do anything that a man can do, be anything a man can be. Right. And now men are saying, hey, well, we can be better women than you are. But I do agree with Darkers in the fact that race is way more fluid and way more possible of being, quote unquote, transracial than to be transsexual. Because you can mutilate yourself as much as possible. You can do all the surgeries to appear female as much as possible. But a man will never be able to be a woman, no matter how much they make themselves look or appear from the outside as a woman. And the same is true. A woman will never be a man. You know, if you're XY chromosome, you cannot somehow claim that you have XX chromosomes or vice versa. It's just intellectually dishonest. And we need people to make that argument. But I also want to emphasize here, this kind of show again, even though I agree with Dawkins on this, this kind of show again, because when Piers Morgan asked him, what's the answer? He said science. <laughs> but again, science confirmed the Bible. The answer is not science. The answer is the word of God. Right. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I've heard doctors and people with other letters after the name that I don't have argue that a man can turn into a woman. We have a Supreme Court justice who couldn't define what a woman is. So you have people who are educated. Uh, because she's not a biologist. Right. So therefore, a biologist would know what a woman is. Mm -hmm. So therefore, there's a definition for woman. Right. So to me, it's being intellectually dishonest. It's not following the science that we do know. But the most important, as I emphasize here again, the important thing is this problem is not going to be changed without the gospel of Jesus Christ. The answer is yeah. not science. As much as science confirms the Bible, the answer is not science because science didn't cause this. So science can't fix it. What the fix is, is that men have rejected God and his word and only return to God and his word yeah. will fix it. Yeah. God is immutable. He doesn't change. People, particularly like Dawkins, have this heavy reliance on this heavy faith in science. What, what baffles me is that they don't see how science has been hijacked and manipulated into something that right now we're being bludgeoned across the head with. If you don't believe this particular set of orthodoxy that we say is orthodoxy, in this case, it's 
evolutionary theory or now woke theory and all that sort of thing. Well, then you're out of the realm of science and you're anti this, anti that. Well, if science could be hijacked to that degree and to be made into something that it's not, then it's subject to the one who's hijacking it to do that, if that makes any sense. It goes back to what I said before, where I said that God is above science. Science is subject to God. God defines science, not the other way around. And so for him to say, oh, well, the answer is science. I'm just screaming at the top of my, no, it's not science. Don't you see how anyone can take the so-called science and twist it and manipulate it into whatever they want it to be? In this case, men can be girls, girls can be men. There are X amount of pronouns, fill in the blank. And it's all under the banner, under the truth of science, air quotes. Yeah, the men did went on and discuss transgender, quote unquote, at least, aka men competing in women's sport. This is what Dawkins has to say about that. You have a situation where in women's sport, for example, transgender athletes are destroying women's records uh, and beating women in women's sport, you know, we, By immeasurable distances. We, we don't disagree about this. There's no, no. but we don't. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it seems to me complete madness, just yes. scientific madness it that is. we're allowing this yeah. to happen. It is. So, Jay, I wonder who's to blame here or who's to be blamed more. What is the LGBTQIA plus or the feminist movement for the transgender athletes competing against women? It has to be the feminist movement because without the feminist movement, there wouldn't be the space for the LGBTQIA A plus, what is it now? It's There's two A's and a plus now, right? I can't keep track of the acronym. I think it's two S LGBTQIA A plus or something like that. Feminism destabilized, or not even destabilized, obliterated the God-ordained relationship between men and women. And I think that opened the floodgates, or I should say it's one of the many things that opened the floodgates to the degeneracy that we see Today, even now when you speak to homosexuals, the majority of them, I would say, from what I've seen and from what I've read, don't agree with the completely illogical, unscientific, and bullying ways of the transgender movement and in the way that it targets children in particular. But once you let immorality out the bag, once you let sin touch and contaminate things, there's really no way that you can put the cat back in the bag, as it were. So once feminism portrays the relationship between men and women as oppressive, as something to be fought and something to fight against, and that women can come together and be together and have just as meaningful a relationship, that's the lesbianism idea there. Once you have the L, all of the other acronyms follow, and you can't put the cat back in the bag, as it were, at that point. Sin only multiplies and destroys everything it touches. It doesn't get any better. In another episode, I can't remember which one, I talked about how the sins that we commit in heterosexual relationships opened the door as well for those in same-sex relationships to say, well, well, if they can have their sin, why can't I have mine? And then you have this domino effect where one person's sin or one type of sin opens the door to other types of sin. I remember in arguments, they would call it the slippery slope effect. And everyone would say, oh, that's being dramatic. That's being conspiracy theorists. But now we see that's actually what's happening. Yeah, I'll just say as a man who grew up 
you know, competing in track and field and basketball and cricket and stuff like that in school, back in my glory days, I guess I should say. These men should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves that they will go on a podium and accept a trophy by beating some woman. That's not impressive. No one think that you're great at what you do because you are a man and you win in a woman competition. Oh, but it's their truth. That's not impressive. I look at that and I was like, come on, where has shame gone? I remember as boys growing up, a girl beat us in foot race. We'll be mocked, scorned by the rest of the boys that a girl actually beat you. You will never do that. And now men are claiming to be women and competing in women's sport and beating the girls. And all of a sudden, they're great. No, you're not. Leah Thomas, no, you're not. No, you're not a great swimmer. You're average swimmer. Because when you compete against the boys, you didn't even place. What, you were like, what, 200 or something in the country? You're probably not even much better than me and I'm not a swimmer. You go swim against some girls and you didn't even win. They tie you. You should be ashamed. Okay, I get off my rant. <laughs> but anyway, the next clip, the men move on and talk about the COVID pandemic. Problems that scientists have, and we saw this in the COVID pandemic, is that scientists, by definition, they evolve positions according to changing facts. And we saw in the pandemic that originally the perceived scientific wisdom was that masks, for example, would be ineffective in preventing the spread of COVID. Then they changed their mind about that. We were told that the vaccines would stop passing on the virus, and it turned out that wasn't true. Uh, we were told, there's been a whole debate, as you know, about where the virus may have started. The belief was from a wet market. Maybe it was from this lab in Wuhan and so on. Those who are anti-science, they leap on these things and they say, well, there you go. There you go. Why should we believe or follow the science when they do such dramatic U-turns in a health crisis, for example? What do you yeah, say to that? Well, uh, it, it's true. I mean, science actually does change its mind because mm. when, I mean, I think it was John Maynard Keynes said, when the facts change, I change my mind. What mm. do you do, sir? Yes. Um, and so this was, this all happened in such a hurry. It was all a great rush to, to produce advice. And there wasn't time to take the normal balanced look at the evidence. And so naturally, um, they changed their mind. Mm. Um, and it's a virtue of science, actually, that they can change their mind. Scientists can change their mind. Well, I must say I agree with Dawkins again. We did episode 127, COVID, Lesson Learned. Also episode 67, Vaccine Mandates and the American Way. And also episode 48, COVID, Politics and Christians. Both of those were done with our friend MD. But I emphasize again here, because the problem with COVID was not, or even the vaccine was not science. It was politics. Right. Politics crept in, and that is what, at least in the U.S. and imagine in Europe as well, that is what the biggest driving factor behind COVID and what we do or did not do. It was politics and power. And the science suffered as a result. As I mentioned before, remember Anthony Fauci talking about himself being the science, the science. Well, as Dawkins said, well, we didn't have time to evaluate everything. We didn't have time to observe or test it. And if we did, it was in a much more truncated, hurried and rushed form. But when they said all of those things that we now know to not be true, it was deemed as the science and to go against it was 
anathema. Basically, you could be canceled. Many people were canceled as a result of going against the so-called science. Well, if science is so absolute, how is it that it can be hijacked, weaponized? It's malleable now. Again, science is subject to God, not the other way around. And this man who is obviously super educated, we know Dawkins, he's not a stupid man, very well educated, but absolutely refusing to acknowledge his maker has made him an absolute fool. And I can say that as someone who has absolutely not even a pinky tip amount of knowledge compared to what he has. I can call him a fool because the scriptures say the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. Yep, I fully agree. We'll wrap it up by playing this last clip, which will be clip 12, where Dawkins made reference to another star system. Hmm. So here is Dawkins on that. What is the question you would most like to get answered? I think it is, uh, is there extraterrestrial intelligence? I think I would like to be visited by, well, I will never be visited by actual bodies, I think, but visited by radio waves um, from another star system. Do you believe it exists? Yes. Uh, I'm not totally confident, but, but I, I, if, if I, well, Carl Sagan once said he didn't know, and so he was pressed to say, well, what's your gut feeling? And he said, well, I try not to think with my gut. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I, I think statistically the odds must be that, that, that there is. It might be quite rare, mm. but let's say maybe only a billion instances in the universe, and that's very rare indeed because the, the number of possible planets is something like 10 to the 22. Mm. Um, so a billion would, would be very rare, so rare we might never encounter it. But, what else would you love to know? Origin of life, mm. um, the origin of the universe, consciousness. Um, if I were a physicist, I'd want to know um, how to unify quantum theory and gravity, but I'm not a physicist, so mm. don't ask me about it. But you know what I find very interesting about all the things that he says he wants to know? All of the things he wants to know is God. What is the origin of life? God. Consciousness. God. All of these things are inexplicable apart from God. Yep. To quote Richard Dawkins in reference to another star system, he says, the odds must be that there is. But when you ask him the odds of God existence is zero. And they call what we believe bunkers. We are the bunkers one. Yet, it is the same man who said this. I despise uh, people who believe something without evidence and then go out and take action which damages other people. Oh, wow. So Dawkins must despise himself as well because he believes stuff without evidence. And because of his influence, because he's a very popular guy, I've written some 18 books now, he go out there and try to influence people to believe so. Mm. So he must despise himself as well. So Dawkins wants to take a swim without getting wet. He wants to reconcile his goat with his cabbage. He wants to have his cake and eat it as well. He said that we are the bunkers when he called our belief bunkers, but yet he believes that there's some star system out there with whatever. This is a serious podcast, but I need to play this. All right, so he wants to know the origin of life, the universe, consciousness. I think this clip is appropriate. 
Bill, I, I just want to let you know that uh, there actually is a book out there. So yes, Mr. Dawkins, the Bible tell us of the origin of life, the origin of the universe, and consciousness. But you, sir, have rejected God. The only hope you will ever have to get an answer. The Bible declares in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. There's a judgment coming. And yes, you'll be surprised. You'll have to stand before a loving and a holy God. You will have to stand before the judge of the world and give account. And it will all come down to this. Were there ever a time in your life, your earthly life, where you recognize that you were a wretched sinner, Dawkins? A wretched sinner, Piers Morgan. A wretched sinner, listener. Wherever there a time in your life where you realize that you're a wretched sinner and confess your sin and trust Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. The Bible declares in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all that include you, listener, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all. Sin separates us from a holy God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. But even in your separation from God, God demonstrated his love for you by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But we must receive that gift. We must receive that true repentant faith. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 and verse 22, Repent ye therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God that if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Acts 3 verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Would you repent of your sins and turn to Christ today? Thank you so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Make sure to rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us, to support this podcast, or to learn more about Removing Barriers, go to removingbarriers.net. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.